Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys, a former D1 Hooper, current high school coach, teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Amari Sanakofa, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And I'm going to throw a Renaissance graduate in there because currently Crawford, our sports center, they're also graduated from Renaissance. So I told me to put that re- representation in there and feel like I should. Renaissance is a great high school. Go to Renaissance, go Phoenix, let's go. There you go. You finally added something into it. I like it, Omari, but we, we, we got to keep it short because we are honored to be joined today by Pistons Assistant GM, Motor City Cruise President and GM, Rob Murphy. Mr. Murphy, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join the Pistons Pulse and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. Uh, excited to be here. It's always good to to talk with good people and people who support our, our organization, uh, you know, over the years throughout the season and the off season. So thanks for uh, thanks for having me on today, guys. Your role as assistant GM for our listeners. Let's start there because we'll talk about the cruise and the release of the schedule and all the excitement around that. But let's stay with the assistant GM role with the Pistons for now. Can you kind of give the listeners a little bit of insight into what that is, what you do on a day to day basis? Yeah, well, for me, uh, you know, my most important role or most important job uh, is to uh, oversee the draft process. Um, That's the most uh, pivotal part of my job. So starting, you know, like let's say now we're getting ready for the 2023 draft. So we come out with like a top 80 prospect list. Uh, We start the evaluation process and retrieving the intel. And then we set everybody up to go do campus visits. And then we just prepare for the NBA draft by going to watch and evaluate throughout the season. And then, um, you know, just maybe giving some insight on, you know, trade talks and free agency signings. Uh, I'm really fortunate to be working with a, a good group here, starting with Troy Weaver, obviously, and learning a lot from him and him giving me great opportunity here. But our cabinet overall, uh, Troy, myself, George David, uh, Josh Brodelstein and Tony Liotta, in particular, our, our guys I work with each and every day, and we all have the charge in, in helping Troy uh, restore the Pistons, and we're excited about it every day. Rob, a uh, big offseason for the organization uh, to leave draft night uh, with two lottery picks. Uh, I know Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran were both very high um, on the list of prospects for you all. Uh, just being in the war room that night, did you maybe expect going in that it would be quite that crazy, or was it more of a surprise to come out of it with both of those guys? Actually, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was almost like a dream, almost like a movie, to be honest with you, watching it all develop. And, um, you know, when, when, uh, when we, you know, figured we would be in position to maybe, uh, get Ivy at five, it was always a thought. Uh, but to be honest with you, we, you never know how it's going to work out with so much going on with the first four picks and the decisions of other teams. Uh, but when we had the opportunity to land on Ivy, we were really, really excited. He's someone we targeted, uh, all year long. Um, you know, obviously being, uh, a very quick and athletic guard, um, dynamic with the ball, can really pass, uh, underrated shooter, can really shoot better than a lot of people think. And he has great size for his position. Um, and he can defend. So we were excited to, to get a guy like that who we felt could uh, help us move the needle here. And then uh, the impossible happened with getting Jalen Duran, who going into the draft, we thought he was a top five prospect as well. Um, yeah, one of the youngest players in the draft obviously have the length and athleticism, but a lot of people don't understand how skilled he is and how skilled he's going to become into the future. So um, to land those two guys uh, on draft night was nothing short of uh, amazing for us. Uh, we thought we, we had a great draft. We believe we have a, a foundation set. And I think it would be remiss for me not to mention uh, that draft was good, but I think you know we can never lose sight of, of when it started for Troy because he's been through three drafts. So when you look at the first draft in 2020, uh, the core four who helped lay a solid foundation, speaking of Killian, I, Isaiah uh, Stewart, 
Sadiq Bay and Saban Lee. Those four guys in that first draft really laid a solid foundation um, for us to, us to build on. And then you come back in the next draft in 21 and you're able to lay land Kay Cunningham and Isaiah Livers, who both would be phenomenal players for our, in our organization for a long time. And then to follow that up uh, with this year's draft, uh, put us in position to, to get to the ground zero is what we say. And, and now you can start to see some growth um, here into the future. And, uh, you know, that's just the three drafts. I, I thought Troy, um, you know, with his experience, has done an unbelievable job in, in the trade market as well and also in free agent signing. So, uh, as I mentioned, we're at ground zero now. Uh, we're extremely happy with this last year's draft. But overall, the last three drafts and also the free agent signings and the trades have, have really set us up for, for, for future success. Mr. Murphy, can you just walk us through how that night went with Jalen Duran? Like you said, he was a top five guy on your board. We've, we've heard that a little bit. Uh, uh, what pick did you go like, man, this really might happen. And was that trade with the Knicks? Is that something you, a spot you knew you could get back into? Did it materialize on draft night? Can you just give us a little deeper insight to how that all played out? Yeah, well, what happens is, you know, on, on draft night, even before uh, the first pick is made, you know, you, you're getting a lot of calls and we're fielding calls, uh, our entire staff, uh, just because, with, with the relationships of other teams that we know and teams are looking to move up, maybe move, uh, looking to move back. So just right after we uh, drafted uh, Jaden, you know, those same calls continue to come through and Teams are trying to make different moves to clear cap space, uh, get the, to the guys that they want. Uh, so one call led to the next. Conversations begin, and before you know it, um, we felt we had an opportunity. Um, and then when it came through and the offer were made down the line with a few moves uh, that we had to make, um, you know, he was there and, and for the taking. Uh, we were really shocked that he was still on the board. Uh, as we mentioned, we thought he was a top-five pick. Um, but I got to give, uh, you know, our staff um, – a lot of credit. We did a lot of we did a we did a great job of making those calls and getting in depth information about what other teams want and how we can get to them. And it kind of became the perfect storm, and all came together. Uh, and we are still excited uh, about that draft, and and we have a bright future because of it. What have you seen uh, both from Jalen and Jaden uh, this summer, just as far as the work they put in in the gym, but also just getting that chemistry going with Kay Cunningham and the rest of the guys? Well, I think for those two guys, one thing we we noticed when we did a homework and, and watching them all year that they're extremely hard workers. So we can be here in the office as we are. Uh, and, you know, everything in the summer is, is voluntary. And you will look down and see those guys working out, whether they're in the weight room when they're in town or, or down on the court getting some individual work in. So it starts there with the work ethic. And I think, um, you know, Troy has always mentioned we don't want to miss on the people. Uh, they are two really high-quality young men. Uh, who are great teammates. Uh, they get along together, but they also get along with all the guys. Uh, and nothing more has been more important in them to them than getting better, um, you know, talking to our coaches, understanding what their role could be, and just seeking out, uh, you know, times to come in and work out extremely hard and just spend time with the guys over the summer. Uh, in summer league, I thought uh, Jaden was off, uh, got off to a great start. Obviously, he got injured, uh, but he was putting him – self in position to be one of the best rookies in summer league just with his showing the first game and a half and i thought before jalen's injury um that slowed him down a bit he was on his way to having a great summer league as well so uh those guys you know work extremely hard they're great teammates they're high character young men uh so we're looking forward to how they continue to develop it to, to develop in our organization as people uh, and as players. So you talk about drafting the person, and we've heard that a lot. You talk about a great young man, and it seems like Cade Cunningham is all of those things, Mr. Murphy. Like, can you speak to Cade Cunningham's leadership within the organization as, as a rookie even last season? Because from the outside, it seemed like he just took the organization, and, and he was a leader of grown men as a young man himself. Some guys, you know, become leaders, and then some guys are born leaders. Uh, Kay Cunningham is a born leader. He's a connector. Um, he does everything by example, and he's also able to communicate and teach guys on the fly as well. Uh, you have guys like Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, some guys that, that when they hit the floor, guys just follow, and Kay Cunningham has been one of those guys. As good as a, a player that he is, 
he's equally the same type of connector and leader, which bodes well for us because anytime coach can have someone on the floor who can lead uh, on the floor and get the message to the guys and guys are willing to follow. And also when you're off the floor, um, he's great at communicating and being a great teammate as well. So uh, I believe he's one of the best leaders in the NBA. I know he's really young and he has a lot to learn, uh, but he's one of those guys who guys just is a magnet to they listen to, and he leads by example. So we're really fortunate to have him in our program. Real quick follow-up, Mr. Murphy. Who is someone in the organization that, that's a leader that maybe we're not seeing? Is there another player, young, maybe a vet? I know there's lots of talk about Rodney Magruder, who got re-signed this offseason, that, that, that really steps up and, and fills those leadership roles. Maybe Corey Joseph. Well, you know what's amazing about this group uh, and this roster, and, and, and again, we talk about not missing on the people. We have put together a great roster, and all of these guys are really good people, and they lead by example. Uh, but the vets like the Kelly Olenix, Corey Joseph, as you mentioned, Rodney Magruder, all of those guys are leaders. But I think because we have such a great group and these guys work extremely hard, it's easy for them to be led. So when you have guys like that that are willing to do whatever it takes to be successful and they're about team first and individual second, um, it kind of bowls well with what we're trying to build. So we have a bunch of leaders um, and everybody kind of leads by example. And it starts with Coach Casey and Troy, obviously. Uh, but the vets and Kelly Olenek and, and Corey Joseph, as you mentioned, then you got Kay Cuttingham, Isaiah Stewart, um, Sadiq Bay. Uh, doesn't like Sadiq doesn't talk a whole lot, but he leads by example, right? And he works extremely hard, and probably our hardest worker, and could be one of the hardest workers in the NBA. Um, so we have a uh, again, it goes back to that core four, but we have a great unit of of really good guys that are willing to work hard for them. For, for the sake of the team, for everybody to get better and, and, and continue to put us in position to win. We talk a lot about culture. Troy's talked a lot about culture since he's taken over, uh, getting back not only to the old school uh, Pistons, bad boys, win the work mindset, but just building a team that the city of Detroit can be proud of. Native Detroiters, so, you know, of course, you know better than most uh, what Detroiters gravitate toward, but also being a former college coach, you know what it takes to establish a culture, but also maintain it from year to year. For this Pistons team, how do you think this team has kind of followed that pattern this offseason, not only with um, the draft picks, but uh, you had a few free agents as, as as well. And kind of what have you learned about NBA culture versus maybe college culture? For us, <laughs> it's, it's funny because coming from the college level, I've been dealing with, you know, uh, student athletes, you know, starting their rec- recruitment process at 15 or 16 and getting them through my program, the ones that chose to come to Eastern Michigan, and then they graduate at 22. So if you look at our team, we have a really, really young team, and these are the ages of the individuals that I've been dealing with for the last 25 years. But what I've learned uh, about uh, our culture, and it starts with, with Troy and the things that he implemented in, and I can't say it enough, you can't miss on the person. Uh, you know, we want to bring high character uh, young men in here, guys that are willing to work. You know, obviously we're in Detroit, it's a blue collar, collar city. So for us, it always, you know, goes back to the bad boys and the going to work team. So it starts with defense and rebounding. We want to be tough on that end of the floor. Uh, so we're, we're bringing in guys who want to buy into that. You know, the NBA has went to an offensive game where you want to shoot the three and you want to score a bunch of points. But the identity has to be uh, on the defensive side and rebounding the ball for us. So we brought in some, some guys that will address those needs, I think, from top to bottom. You talk about our guards, we have athleticism, we have size, we have shooting. Uh, when you talk about our wings and our forwards, we have a lot of versatility at that position as well where guys can make shots, they can create off the dribble, and they're good defenders in the area for the rebound. And then we've addressed some athletic needs uh, you know, down in the paint, which is really great for us. So when you look at our, our, our entire roster, we've been able to address needs at every position. Um, and I think Coach Casey, I'm excited for him that uh, he'll have a chance every time he, he he gets these guys out on the floor, we can compete and put ourselves in position to uh, to win basketball games. You've mentioned the core four a couple times, Rob. And, you know, one of those, the first pick was Killian Hayes. I know he's a big topic of conversation with the fan base. What kind of was his offseason plan? What what things is the organization looking for him to improve upon and grow into coming into his third season in the NBA? Yeah, not, nothing more than just continuing to get better each and every day. Uh, Killian works extremely hard. Um, he He's had a really, really good summer. 
obviously uh, he has to improve his shooting, and he's working extremely hard on that. But what he brings to the table night in and night out is he's one of our leaders. He's one of the best passers, if not the best passer on our team. Uh, he has size for the position. He's a really, really good defender. So he's a guy that you can put on an opposing guard and, and make it, and he'll make it really tough for you. Um, and he'll get the ball where it needs to go on the offensive side of the ball. His offense will continue to develop, but we're looking forward to him continuing to get better. Uh, we love what he's done this summer and looking forward to him to have a, a really good season this year. Isaiah Stewart uh, has been one of the, the lead rotation players uh, almost since he, he was drafted. Uh, summer League, we saw him uh, unleash the, the three-point shot a little bit more, and that's been a big point of emphasis for him uh, since he was drafted. Where is he as a shooter right now, and how much do you think we'll see uh, that from him next season? I mean, I, I don't know what, what you know, it's, it's really what, you know, how well he can shoot and what Coach Casey will allow, but one thing I can tell you, I've, I've you know watched Isaiah countless number of hours being here in our gym all summer, working on his three point shot. But it's been a process, to be honest with you. Since his rookie year, he had been working on his three point shot. When he was in college and high school, he shot a little bit more from the three range. Obviously, that's closer, but he always had the ability to make shots from the outside. But he's a uh, the type of guy that just you know when he gets on the floor, he's going to make an impact. Um, and where he needs to make it. And, and that's been, for us, defending, rebounding, and scoring inside. Uh, but because of his hard work over the last three years here, uh, well, the last two years here in the organization, the last three summers, uh, he's been able to uh, stretch his range. And it's nothing more than a, 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 a player being confident and being able to see the shot go through the basket. So he had a couple opportunities this summer, as you saw in summer league, uh, in really crucial moments of games where he stepped up and, and hit some big threes to uh, to close out uh, a game in particular in the summer. Uh, and then after our, after the summer league, I've continued to watch him make shots uh, when they're in their individual workouts and when he's in here working on his own. So I, I think he'll be able to uh, make those shots uh, in the future. Um, but Isaiah is one of those guys. He's the heart and soul of our team. He's a great defender, a great rebounder, uh, but he's also continuing to develop his offensive game and we're excited about the maturation of it. We, we've spoke a couple times throughout this podcast, Mr. Murphy, about the, the culture and the player and how young this team is. And we've brought up Dwayne Casey a couple times now. Can you speak to what Coach Casey brings to this organization and to this young group? You know, it's not necessarily show, showing up in wins and losses right now, but from the outside, it sure looks like he is the man for the job in terms of growing these young men into professionals. Yeah, well, Coach Casey, nothing nothing is better when it comes to coaching nor playing than experience. He's been in the league so many years, and he's seen every scenario in every situation. Uh, he's a great communicator. He has great patience. You have to be able to do both of those, communicate well and have patience when you're dealing with young players. And I think he's done that as well as anybody I've seen uh, over my coaching career, whether it's uh, college or NBA. But he does a really good job of being a teacher every day, understanding how to make our young guys uh, realize how important the fundamentals of the games are. Uh, sometimes when you come into the NBA and you're really young and all you're doing is thinking about playing, you're thinking about offense, but Coach Casey kind of breaks the game down in every aspect from the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. And he has a lot of patience. So um, he's the man for the job just because he's uh, been here and he's been through it with our organization, but also because of his experience of so many years of being in the NBA and seeing different situations of, of coaching superstars, coaching rookies that are coming in trying to find their way. And because he can bring all that experience together and he has a great staff behind him, I think that'll ball well for a lot of guys to have some early success and we'll continue to move the needle with him being our head coach. As I mentioned earlier, Mr. Rob Murphy is also the president and GM of the Motor City Cruise. So when we come back from this short break, we're going to ask him about the upcoming season, the schedule release, and what his feelings are on the team. All right, hey, Carlos, just a quick idea. How about if I say, hey, this is Sean Windsor, and you say, hey, this is Carlos Smaros, and I'll go, and then we'll go back. You want, you want to try that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, you ready? Yep. Hey, this is Sean Windsor. And this is Carlos Menares. And we are the team behind Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, where we are going to talk about, you guessed it, sports, but lots of other stuff. Like what, Carlos? Oh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, Sean, food. Um, probably more food. 
arts, culture, sports, TV, movies, you name it. If it's happened in Detroit, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to have guests in who obviously know a lot more than we do about just about everything. But we're going to have some free press journalists to talk about big stories, folks from the sports world. We're going to be out every Thursday. You can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We hope you'll join us. All right, we're back uh, with Rob Murphy, Pistons Assistant General Manager and GM of the Motor City Crews. Uh, the schedule for the Crews year two uh, came out last Thursday, and they will open um, on the road against the Cleveland Charge on November 4th, and their home opener will be November 7th against the Windy City Bulls. Uh, Rob, what are you most excited for this season uh, as far as just building off of last year's momentum, uh, playoff bid in the first year, win- winning record? Uh, it was a pretty strong debut for the club overall. Yeah, I'm excited about a lot of things, Mari, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, when I was hired here as the president and GM, uh, being the first employee here, uh, we never thought we would see the immediate success that we saw. So I think it's twofold for me. Um, we had a really, really good season on the floor. We were able to make the um, Las Vegas Showcase Cup and get to the Final Four there. Uh, we were able to take that momentum in and have a great regular season, and we were also able to get the playoffs. In between all of that, we were able to develop our young guys uh, for the Pistons, and we also were able to uh, highlight our, our, our G League players as well. So everybody kind of benefited from the success of the Motor City Crews on the basketball side. And I got to give Coach uh, Baker a lot of credit in his first year as a head coach and taking it over the helm here at the Motor City Crews. And he put together a great staff, a great support staff, and those guys worked countless number of a countless number of hours to put us in position to be successful. Uh, and then on the business side, um, being able to, you know, outkick our coverage on the sponsorship uh, partnership side of things, the ticket sales, being able to attract, you know, the community and the Detroit and the surrounding areas to get people involved, um, all the game operations and, and things that we were, to, were able to put together uh, in our new facility that we collaborated with with Wayne State. Uh, was nothing short for me of amazing. So um, in year two, I'm just, you know, the most important thing for me is is continuing to uh, help develop our young guys. That's the most important thing. That's why we, uh, you know, the owner and Tom Gores and Aaron Tellum and everybody had this, uh, this vision of bringing a G League team here to Detroit to help the young guys grow and, and be close to the parent team so it can be, uh, a unique situation for them to get better, and, and that has worked. So that's the, nothing is more important than that. Uh, but if we can continue to develop our young guys, continue to compete at a high level uh, and win games, and also continue to get the community involved, we, we, we'll be doing the right thing. So I'm excited about that. So speaking of getting the community involved, the open tryouts for the Motor City Crews are on September 14th. You have some local ties. You got, you got some guys coming in for those tryouts. Uh, how, how's that going to go? You know, we're always looking for local guys. We ended up losing Derek Walton. Uh, obviously, he, he uh, you know, played really well for us this year. Uh, so he took his, his, his game, you know, uh, to Europe, and I think he'll have a, continue to have a great career. Um, but we're always looking for the next guy. But I think we have a, a great roster assembled, as it is right now. Uh, you know, we got two two-way guys in Braxton Key and Buddy Beheim, which we're excited about. Those guys will continue to grow, obviously, to get – uh, you know, better, obviously, with the Motor City Crews, we have an opportunity to maybe help the Pistons as well. Um, we brought in a, a point guard, Kiefer Sykes, who we made a trade for, so we're excited about him. Stanley Amude, uh, Michael Potter, we traded for, we're excited about him. So we have a host of guys returning. Uh, we've continued to, uh, you know, kind of scour the nation and continue to put the right pieces in place so we can continue to be successful. So when you talk about Open trials, obviously, we're looking still to uh, fill the void, and we're looking for a big man and maybe a good wing. So uh, I don't know who all has signed up, but I'm really looking forward to uh, guys coming in here competing and, and trying to earn a roster spot for us. Mr. I got to ask, what does local mean? Because I, I live in Kansas, so does local stretch? Right. <laughs> Is it the whole Midwest? Can I come lo- in? Lo- local does stretch. We have guys coming in from Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, um, last year, we had a player come in from Arizona. He flew in just to, to, to try out for the Motor City Cruise. So it's a local tryout, and that's kind of the name that we deemed it for, to have an open tryout for folks that are around and, and in, in the area where they can get here and, and, and maybe 
uh, try out, but it's uh, it has no limits. You can come in right now if if you if you can play the point, then you can shoot. We got an open tryout position for you. I can do one of those things, and that's it, Mr. <laughs> Murphy. So I, I... I have to show you a video of uh, Bryce shooting. He was a he was a shooting guard at American University in college, so uh, he's always looking to show off. <laughs> Rob, you wear a lot of hats uh, from a player evaluation standpoint. Uh, draft, of course, G League. Amude was a, a guy who stood out during summer league. Uh, what's what, how how different is the process of just identifying players who are still scrapping their way into the NBA and can potentially come in and not only help the Crews but the uh, Pistons as well? We saw last year with Jamarco Pickett, he came in and uh, played some some good minutes. How how different is that? Just having to evaluate uh, G League players. I guess for me, uh, you know, all the hats I wore leading up to this opportunity here with the Pistons have helped me out starting at the high school and grassroots level at the AAU level in high school, recruiting eighth and ninth graders, and then. You know, going on to Kent State, working at a mid-major, working at a high-level place to Syracuse where it was NBA players, and then on the Eastern Michigan back at the mid-major scene. So I've kind of evaluated, you know, every aspect of a player. So when you really, uh, you know, you dive into it, you're looking for those diamonds in the rough. You're looking for guys that can be impactful on an NBA floor and have the ability to play with stars. Right. If you're a star, most likely everybody's going to know about you. But you bring up a guy like Amude, you know, he was a a guy that was under the radar, played mid-major basketball for four years and then took one year to get to Arkansas. And we were able to see him at Arkansas. But if you look back at the history of his game, he's really he's been a consistent 35 or above three point shooter. So we saw that right away. You saw the athleticism at Arkansas. So anytime you got a guy who can shoot and he's athletic, you automatically think three and D. He can be effective. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can maybe hit corner shots. He can do a few things off the dribble, but more importantly, he can defend. Um, So anytime you get a guy like him, you want to bring him into your program and and kind of see if he can grow. Uh, And plus he's a high character young man as well and has done all the right things and works extremely hard. So that's what, that was our thoughts going into a mood day, but each and every year, that's kind of what our thoughts are when we're looking at G league guys and hopefully bringing them into our program and giving them a chance to develop and hopefully become Pistons at some point. What can we expect from the uh, two-way guys this season? Braxton Key, we saw him last year, and he had a really strong season with the G League uh, to fill the role with the uh, Pistons as a uh, little bit more of a scrappy uh, de- defensive guy. And then Buddy Bayheim, of course, the Syracuse, uh, Syracuse ties, but really kind of comes in as a, as a shooter. Uh, kind of what are your hopes and expectations for both of them? Yeah, well, I think with Braxton Key, uh, he's one of those guys that I just described with uh, Stanley Mude. He's a guy that, you know, can be effective on the floor uh, without the basketball. He has great size and length being six, eight and a half. Uh, he's an athlete. He can defend. Um, he can create a little bit off the dribble. Um, and he can shoot the ball from the outside once he gets his opportunities. He needs to become more consistent in that area. But just con- continuing to develop as an overall player as he's in our program, and we believe in him. Uh, Buddy Beheim, uh obviously he's known for shooting. He was able to lead uh, the ACC in scoring uh, last season for Syracuse. But I just think his ability to knock down shots uh, just has to be consistent. He'll continue to get better off the dribble anytime you consistently can can hit an open three you can get guys in closeout situations and now you can put the ball on the floor and be creative for yourself or your teammates but if he can do that and continue to become a a good defender is an area we would like to see him continue to improve if he continue to work on those things he'll have a, a a good future in the nba all right so with the motor city crews how do you balance as you're developing this team or constructing this team the winning games in the G League, but also developing players and using it as a funnel into the Detroit Pistons team? Well, I guess for us, you know, it's all about the culture. Um, so when you're developing guys, the culture is, is that we want to be competitive, right? Anytime you step on the floor, you want to be competitive and you want to play piston basketball. Piston basketball is defending at a high level, rebounding at a high level, playing the right way on the offensive side of the ball. So this, the system doesn't change like we're running everything from coach Casey's playbook right so that doesn't change so as the young guys you know come down um, and they're developing they're still playing in the same system and we're still competing at a high level so it's a bit of both we want to develop you as a young player and put you in position to be successful in the future but at the same time we want to be competitive and also win basketball games as well so I think that's uh, implemented from training camp when it starts with the Pistons 
on to our training camp when it starts with the crews and the messages, you know, have been consistent in the same, whether it's from Troy, whether it's from myself, George, David, or whomever is talking to either team, the language doesn't change, which is most important. And, and coach, uh, Casey and, and Coach Baker continue to communicate as well. So we're all on the same page with understanding the most important thing is developing our players in our program. Um, but also we want to be competitive and win games while we're doing that. How critical was that G League experience for players like Saban Lee and uh, Luca Garza last season? Uh, just, of course, you know, those are saying being able to go back and forth, same playbook. Uh, they're getting a lot of the same reps, but uh, oftentimes with the crews, you can get a much larger role. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was a great experience for everybody overall. You know, when you don't use it, you lose it. So if you're sitting on the end of the bench just saying you're in the NBA or playing for the parent team and you're not playing, you're not really developing and you're not really getting better. So I thought for Saban Lee uh, to be able to get those minutes in the G League uh, and re- really develop it, his game was great. He always had the uh, the athletic ability, but I thought the more and more he played and competed, he got more confident and he got more comfortable, and he just his game continued to grow. And the same thing with Luca Garza. He's no longer here with us, but for him to get those minutes helped put him in position to continue to – uh, improving his career and continue to have opportunity as he moves forward as well. And then Jamarco Pickett uh, continued to play well for us. And more importantly, Derek Walton, uh, he, we, like other teams, you know, would talk to me and say he was like Chris Paul at the G League. Um, but nobody knew professionally he can be that consistent within a system. Uh, and he showed that he could score, he can pass, he can defend, and he can be a leader. Uh, so for us, it, it was really nice to have it here in the PPC. Uh, guys be able to come in and actually have Troy and Coach Casey watch them practice as well. I think that's motivating for any player, you know, if, if you're in with the parent team and then the big team is uh, continue to watch you every day. And I thought, you know, Troy did a really good job of rewarding our G League guys and our roster guys, our Motor City guys, when it came to 10-day contracts, whether it was COVID, whether it was injury, we was able to just reach down, get a guy who was here working out with us, and they were able to just join the team, being in the same building and just making a move going up the street to Little Caesars opposed to going over to Wayne State to play. So um, I think we have a unique situation. We have one of the best setups in the NBA in particular um, with our G League team and our parent team. So we're excited about how it continues to help us improve as we move forward. Can you help the listeners and and honestly, Mr. Murphy, even me to a little bit, where does the pool of G League draft picks come from? You know, what makes a player eligible? Where, how do you scout those guys? I mean, I can't imagine what the scouting department is for you trying to find these guys that are super under the radar. Can, Can you give some insight into the G League draft for us? Yeah, well, the G League draft is is important for us because if you you get into the draft because you go undrafted, obviously, during the NBA draft. Sure. And then if you're a year or two out and you're maybe playing in Europe and you want to try to join the G League, then a team has to submit your name within a certain amount of uh, a certain window to get you invited to go into the draft. So that's kind of where the players come from, whether it's Europe or where, whether they're American players. And then we just, uh, you know, look at them just like we would do on at the NBA draft day. We would decipher about the needs in which we want, uh, what position we're looking for. Uh, we would see where our draft pick is and where they may fall. And then we would zero in on a couple guys that, that we are really kind of like highly feel that they can join our program and if they're available then we'll draft them you know make the call just like you would do on nba draft day it's really a really uh it's really a good process um to have because we have a roster that we pretty much believe in now but we have two draft picks this year two first round draft picks and we have a couple needs that we're looking for uh so we've already started to look at the the g league draft and the pool of players and we have a few that we're excited about and we're looking forward to draft day are there any parallels at all uh, between scouting for a G League team and then when you're a, a college coach, uh, not only you're watching high school guys, but you're on the lookout for transfers as well. So you're also wearing a lot of hats in that regard. Yeah, but I think our draft uh, process is so in-depth and we dig deep and we're looking for so many sleepers. So I'll give you an example. Like in the 2023 draft, when, you know, we start out with a, a top 80 prospect list, um, we also have a mid-major list. We also have a junior college list. So we're always looking at guys. So most of these prospects that are in the G League draft, we've done work on here in our organization 
uh, a year ahead of time. So it's not any surprises for us. Um, so wherever they fall within our evaluations and then we see the availability, uh, it makes it easy for us. And I think overall our scouting department uh, does an unbelievable job as well. We have some really veteran guys, and we also have some young and upcoming guys who do a really good job of combing the country, uh, making sure that we're in position to, to understand that there's no talent that's hidden, uh, and we're trying to find a diamond in the rough, and no matter what the situation is, we're always looking at players. I can't help but be curious, Mr. What's the number of people, personnel that you have working just solely on the Motor City crews, whether it's scouting the other teams, scouting you know these draft prospects that we're talking about? Are we talking 10 people, 20 people? What's, what's your kind of Motor City crews department? Uh, well, when you look at our department, we, you know, are you talking coaches or are you uh, talking just, uh, just your just your your scouting department or your uh, like underneath you as the the general manager? Okay, yeah. So for us, we we all do it as one. So even the the Motor City Cruise players are still evaluated by Indian okay, scouts. okay, I got and you. And it just trickle, yeah, and it just trickles down from there. So like I, I mentioned earlier, like anybody that went undrafted in this year's draft, they also, they fall down to a tier. So our draft process might start with tier one guys, tier two guys, tier three guys, and then it drops down to maybe G league guys. So we've seen these guys okay. over, you know, the, 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 the time of the, the year that we were, we were scouting the, the, the college prospects or the uh, European prospects. Uh, so we're already in position and then everything just trickles down to that. And then we have a list of names that we've already looked at from different camps, whether it was pre-draft camp in Chicago, whether it was Portsmouth or other camps that we've attended that we're watching uh, prospects. Awesome. Got you. Got you. Rob, uh, last season for the crews, just it being the first year, uh, just a lot of getting things off of the ground uh, as far as sponsorships or getting the team together, personnel together, um, et cetera. Uh, this upcoming season with a lot of that already in place, uh, does that sort of enable you to maybe uh, put on the NBA hat a bit more and get more into the, the Pistons draft aspect? Not a, a lot of that establishing cruise things is in the rear view now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of miss the... <laughs> The, the the hours put in of laying the foundation for the crews. I mean, for the first four months, we were just really laying the foundation and making hires and partnering up. Now that that's, you know, over, um, we still, I'm still going to, you know, be involved in that aspect because I think um, Motor City Crews is about developing players, but it's also about making sure we continue to excel and, and get our community involved. I think that's underrated how much of an impact that it can make and has made in the community and the excitement we have and the momentum we have moving forward. And I think with our partners as well, you know, I'm so thankful for UAW, Duo, um, They Say, and Elite Education, River Rouge School District, DPS School District, Henry Ford Health Systems. Like we had so many people uh, that were excited, were excited and jumped on board with us in our inaugural season for day one. So I don't want to, you know, let that momentum go. Um, but at the same time, being in my position here, I understand the most important team that we need to be successful is the Detroit Pistons, which is the parent team. Uh, so I'm going to do everything in my power to continue to assist Troy and our staff and Coach Casey and his staff uh, to continue to move the needle in that regard. We're going to go to another short break here, but when we come back, we're going to get Mr. Murphy's thoughts on his college coaching, his high school coaching, and just get a little more personal with his journey. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. We're back with Rob Murphy, Pistons Assistant General Manager. Rob, you know, it's great to have you on the pod. I mean, we're both native D- Detroiters and, you know, just to see someone in the front office who has that, that tie. Uh, I think is 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 awesome uh, for you, uh, for your journey to bring you to this point. Just have you had time to kind of sit back and kind of reflect on 
uh, everything that's that's brought you to this point now? And did you envision yourself being at a seat you're in now? Uh, well, you always had dreams of playing at the highest level and working at the highest level. Um, so, I, I mean, I can't say I believed I would be here, but at the same time, I always envisioned it. Really, really thankful for the opportunity. Uh, anytime you're you know, have an opportunity and you, you, you have the charge to, uh, to do something special. Uh, you, you, you do everything you can to take advantage of that. Uh, for me to be able to be in Detroit and do it in the hometown in which I grew up in and, and watching the bad boys in, in the early years and when I was in high school and then the going to work team and, and understand the success this franchise has had, has had over the past, you know, 25, 30 years, uh, you know, for me, um, it's like a dream come true to be here, and, and I'm excited to uh, to be a part of what we're doing now. What is the thing you miss the most about coaching high school? And then what is the thing you miss the most about coaching college? Uh, what the thing I uh, <laughs> uh, miss most about coaching high school is just the, the, the purity of, of coaching kids. Um, and, you know, you meet those eighth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, when I was recruiting them and they're 13 and 14 years old and in the inner di- city of Detroit in the really rough areas. And I, as I'm recruiting them and, and, and trying to bring them to Crockett High School per se to play for me, it was just me wanting to see them be successful and have an opportunity to graduate high school with the opportunity to go to college and get an education like myself. So uh, I missed the, the recruiting process uh, in high school and I missed the competitive um you know, nature I brought to the game and trying to win state championships. And um, I thought, you know, in two programs that I uh, was able to coach at in Central High School and Crockett High School, uh, I made a huge impact and they were better places after I left. And I'm forever thankful for those opportunities as well. Rob, uh, well, also uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, pretty big, big name going there next season. (laughs) uh, Imani Bates. So before I forget, I just wanted to ask you uh, what just – any excitement there as far as seeing what he's able to do for the program? Yeah, well, I'm, I I mean, I, I can't too much touch on him in particular as a, a college prospect, but what I will say is I'm happy for the Eastern Michigan program. Uh, I went there in 2011, and it was a lot of work that needed to be done to kind of lay that foundation to bring relevancy back to the program. I believe over a 10-year span, uh, me and my staff, we were able to do that. I left there as the all-time, well, the second all-time winning this coaching program history, and uh, in a 10-year span, we had the best uh, graduation rate of any team in the conference, uh, and we were top 15 in the country uh, graduating student-athletes. So I was very, very proud of that as well. Um, I won't miss the recruiting. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a stressful job anytime you're the third, fourth, or fifth choice in your own state, and you – you know, you, you always have to sell guys on why you should be the big fish in a small pond. It's never fun. But the guys that did believe in the program and were able to come for, to play for me and my, my tenure helped move the needle, and those guys graduated. Uh, and then the academic portion of it is uh, – it's always a challenge as well. You know, no, everybody loves basketball, but nobody loves to go to class. Um, so you always had to put, you know, uh, yourself in position to make sure you're on top of those guys uh, day in and day out. Um, and I'll miss the game days more than anything, you know, in, in, in the practices leading up to the game where you're, you know, preparing these guys to, to really, uh, you know, compete at a high level, giving them a game plan to go out there, uh, and execute offensively and defensively. And then the game itself, um, just the, the competitive nature in, in trying to win uh, night in and night out in a really tough conference and then taking your team during the non-conference to uh, these big arenas that they don't have an opportunity to play in. Uh, so taking teams to Duke, Kentucky, Syracuse, Michigan, Michigan State, all of that was a great experience, especially for guys that didn't get an opportunity uh, to play at that level and they were low-level recruits. So, um, you know, that's pretty much my take on Eastern Michigan. Um, looking forward to, to watching them this year. I'll spend a lot of time up there, whether it's, you know, watching them or watching their opponents that are coming through there. Um, but wish, wish them and, and Coach Heath and, and uh, Scott Weatherby much success as they continue to move the program forward. It's really easy to tell how much you love the game of basketball. Where did that start? Where, where, where did the basketball journey start for you? How did it develop and grow? Yeah, well, I've always been a competitor uh, throughout my life. Um, it started for me, Little League, playing, uh, you know, pal football and basketball and baseball. So um, I understood I would, uh, at an early age, I, I, I had challenges, right, as a player. Um, but I always was a leader and was a great communicator. So then in talking to my high school coach, giving me the vision and direction 
uh, of becoming an educator that could get me into coaching. Uh, I kind of followed suit on that. So um, I've been competing since I was probably seven or eight, and I've always had that competitive spirit, and it just carried with me throughout my life. So once I stopped playing the game, I figured to stay competitive. I would, you know, coach and, you know, I was a high-level competitor all my life. So it just kind of stuck with me. Um, that relationship with Trey, did it start right when um, he, he left Syracuse and you started there as an assistant or does it predate that a little bit? No, it predates that. I met uh, Troy doing, you know, a couple of the recruiting processes when he would, you know, call, uh, you know, on me to give him information, whether it was about a high-level recruit uh, that he may have been recruiting in Michigan. Um, we met and developed a relationship, and then it was because of him that I got the opportunity to um, to go to Syracuse and work for Coach Beheim. He recommended that I replace him when he was uh, taking a job with the Utah, Utah Jazz in 2004. Um, and I'm very thankful that he thought enough of me that I could, uh, at a young age, um, with, without any high major experience, uh, you know, go to Syracuse and uh, help Coach Beheim continue to build his program. Who was already in uh, a Hall of Fame coach, and, and, and the program had a lot of great tradition and history. So uh, it predated to then, and uh, we've been kind of, you know, brothers since the day we met. Um, so very thankful for his mentorship, his leadership, and his uh, his uh, ability to give me opportunity. Mr. Mer- I'm going to be a little selfish with this next question. Oh. I've, I've read your surf, your story, Carol Crane and Free, James Edwards III with The Athletic, and and I found it very inspirational to read about your life and the, some of the things you overcome. And I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I have kids that I teach and coach that are, you know, had some of the same struggles. What what would be your message to them? If if I can play this podcast to them and something like this might mean something to them, what, what, what helped you overcome? overcome some of that adversity in, in your younger life? I mean, I think for me, um, just continuing to believe in yourself. Um, for me, I'm a, I'm a guy that's all about passion, desire, and belief. Those three words resonate with me heavy. Uh, I believe in anything you do, if you're passionate about it um, and you love to do it, it makes it easy to do. But then you have to flip in and have the desire to want to be the best at what you do. Uh, anything that I've ever did, uh, whether I was the best, I had the desire to be the best. Whether it was playing football, basketball, baseball, running track, academically I always challenged myself. And then anytime I was given an opportunity to work for a head coach or lead a program, I wanted to be the best at that. And then just believing in yourself, uh, not allowing anything to de- deter your belief in yourself. Um, no obstacle is, is, is too challenging to overcome. I believe that um, you know, that's a mindset. If you put your mind to whatever you're doing, you love it, you had a desire to be great and the belief that that you can do it, I think you'll be successful. Uh, and it also starts with that vision and direction that I talked about my high school coach gave me. A lot of times, and, you know, I talk to kids, you know, and coaches throughout my foundation and through mentorship, um, you got to, the first thing you got to do is have a vision. And that goes kind of hand in hand with, with the belief. And then to take the first step in the right direction on your journey to become whatever you attempting to become. Uh, but if you're passionate, you have the desire to be great and you believe in yourself, you'll be successful at pretty much anything you do. You mentioned your foundation uh, that was founded in 2014. Just can you tell us a little bit about the Rob Murphy Foundation and uh, kind of what you all work on as far as helping the youth and uh, Detroit and looks like Ypsilanti as well? Yeah, where our mantra is, you know, every child deserves opportunity. It goes back to I think about my childhood and the challenges I was, you know, faced with. And my high school coach and my little league coaches came into my life and and were the voice of reason for me and kind of led me in the right direction. So I know that there's a million kids around the country, more important for me, that are right from my neighborhood that have the same challenges and obstacles that I face. So For me, if you give a child opportunity, give him some vision and direction and and allow him to believe or get him to believe and motivate him to believe or she to believe, then they'll move in the direction in the right direction and have an opportunity to be successful. Me in particular, uh, we have, you know, our reading challenge because I think literacy is, is is a huge component of my foundation, understand the importance of reading. Uh, and educating themselves. That's extremely important. We have the gift of sharing where we go to uh, a few elementary schools, grades K through six, and we give them uh, a Christmas gift. Make sure every child in the, in the, in the, in the classroom gets a Christmas gift. And we do something, you know, obviously around Thanksgiving, giving back, whether it's a turkey drive. Uh, and then we do a back to school backpack giveaway. So uh, I just, for me, understanding the challenges and the obstacles I would face with, 
I know it's a million kids that need me or need someone to uplift them. So that's what my foundation is about, just giving kids opportunities uh, to continue to excel and, and, and move in a positive direction. Love it. Mr. Murphy, before we let you go, anything else the fan base needs to know about the upcoming season for the Detroit Pistons, for the Motor City Crews, and anything that's going on with the organization? No, for us, uh, we just want to just play Piston basketball. We're going to be competitive. I know everyone's excited. Uh, we're now at ground zero, so we'll start to see the, the 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 improvement as we move forward. And again, improvement is not always in the win and loss column for us. It's about continuing to get better each and every day. So we're excited. Um, we are not setting any expectations, but each and every day, you know, bring your lunch pail, be ready to work. Um, be ready to play piston basketball and compete at a high level. And uh, we thank the fans for, you know, continuing to support us. We have a lot of momentum going in the right direction. So have your patience no matter what we're going through and continue to support us. But we're, support us, but we're excited about the future. Absolutely. And I do have one fun follow-up for you. I always saw food on this pod, uh, you know, yep. being born and raised in the city. What are your, some, some of your go-to restaurants at your <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Man, it's, it's a lot of go-tos, uh, depending on if you're talking high level or if you're talking like just lunch food. But for me, uh, I like to spend a lot of time in Detroit and I like to be, you know, downtown. So uh, I, I go to uh, San Morello. I go to uh, uh, Prime and Proper. Those are two of my go-tos. I love running over to Yum Village, uh, you know, during the day. They have some great, great food. Those are kind of like three of my go-tos. And then it's a host of, of others and a host of uh, a lot of other spots that I uh, I could recommend. But downtown Detroit and uh, midtown Detroit is on the rise. Um, it's really come together over the last four or five years, and it's going to continue to grow. So I'm excited to, to be, uh, you know, part of the fabric of this city. I live in Detroit, which I think is important. Uh, this is my hometown. Troy Weaver lives in Detroit as our uh, as our general manager who's leading the charge here. So we're excited about Detroit Piston basketball. We're excited about our community, and we're going to do everything in our power to uh, to continue to make uh, our fans proud and our organization proud. Mr. Murphy, the question Omari really wanted to ask is if you put chips on your sandwiches. This has been no, a huge debate on the pod. <laughs> no, I didn't no. want to ask. You don't, have to, you don't have to – no, you don't have to answer that. I'm I don't have to answer that. I, you know what? I haven't, but I think I'm going a, I'm to a get out of shot. As long as I <laughs> barbecue on a turkey sandwich, barbecue <laughs> chips on a turkey sandwich could work out for me. Because I'm, yeah. I'm a turkey sandwich guy, and I love barbecue chips, and I kind of eat them together simultaneously. So I may try that, and then no, I'll, no, I'll, no. I'll you guys know how it worked out. Please let us know, but I hope it's a negative report. I was hoping you were going right. to side with me on this one. But, right. No, um, I'm all, I have an open mind, though. So that's uh, just how fair I enough. Like, it doesn't matter. I have an open mind. So, Amari, I'm going to get out of shot. Um, <laughs> I can also take a barbecue chip. So I'm going to kind of put them together and see how that works out, and then I'm going to report back to you guys. Uh, there bet. we go. I haven't done it in a while. Uh, Bryce was super opposed to it, but you can see the upside to it. Like it's, <laughs> I can. There you go. I can. Mr. Murphy has more important stuff to do. Don't, don't convince him of this stuff, but nah, we got to get you back on the pod and we'll, we'll get your report on that. Thank you so much for joining us, taking the time. We're so excited for the Piston season, the cruise season, the, the direction of the organization. I know the fan bases. Thank, Thank you so much. This was incredible. Yeah, I've been. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoy being here and being on with you guys. And anytime you need me, I'm a I'm a call or email away. I look forward to it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rob. We appreciate it. Thank you again. Big thanks once again to Rob Murphy for joining us on this week's The Pistons Post. Shout out to our editor, Carrie Jr. II, our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, and our executive producer, Anjanette Delgado. Also, big shout out to Wes Davenport. We'll see you all next week.